please turn to Psalm 13. We've just, well, a few minutes ago, we read a Psalm of David. When he kept silent, his bones waxed old through his roaring all day long. For day and night, the hand of God was heavy upon him. And then he confessed his sin and he was forgiven. We have another Psalm of David now. And look at this psalm, Psalm 13, verse 1. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God, Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he have dealt bountifully with me. And so we're going to be looking at this Psalm 13 when it seems like God has forgotten you. When it seems like God has forgotten you. As I read uh, this short psalm a few days ago, it didn't take long to read. It is only six verses after all. But I kept coming back to the first words in it. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? It really is something when the person who was asking those questions was none other than David, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. This is David who spent the whole of Psalm uh, 23 talking about his continual communion with the Lord who was his shepherd. For example, in Psalm 23 verse 6, the last verse of Psalm 23, David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Words like that are a tremendous source of comfort and encouragement to all whose shepherd is the Lord. David was one of those giants of the faith in the Old Testament, yet still he asked, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? doesn't seem possible that he should ask that. As if God could or would ever forget David, or for that matter, as if God could or would forget anyone else whom he has loved with an everlasting love, and for whom he sent his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to redeem with his own precious blood. As the Son of God said in Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. 
You think of the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't say it, but I can't help thinking it. When Jesus was nailed to that cross, my name was graven on the palms of his hands, as well as being written in his heart. And and you can say likewise, dear Christian, um, because you, you know enough of the scriptures to know that the Lord Jesus Christ loved you and he gave himself for you. You personally at that cross, never mind anyone else, but at the cross we see that demonstration of the love of God. Like there is no other demonstration. This afternoon I took um, a service, church service at Salisbury Street nursing home and uh, I had to be quick with what I said there. No point me talking for too long. But um, I was keen to impress upon the residents at the nursing home that if it wasn't for the cross, we wouldn't have a clue about the love of God. Would we? Would you? Would any of us? We wouldn't. It's only because of the cross and the Lord Jesus Christ nailed to that centre cross that we can appreciate anything at all about the love of God in a general sense. And if you are trusting in Jesus and it's your Jesus, your saviour who was nailed to that cross, you know that that was love for you, a demonstration of God's love for you personally. And so... Back to David here. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? Can you see? David wasn't thinking straight there to ask such a question. But looking at verse 1 again there, uh, again, it's not so much that David was murmuring or complaining, but it was a cry of despair during a time of deep affliction as to what was going on in David's life we're not told but clearly he had an enemy of some sort looking at verse 2 David asked how long shall my enemy be exalted over me there you go he's got an enemy also in verse 4 he spoke again about his enemy And also in verse 4, he spoke about those who reveled in his affliction when he said, lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. The enemy may have been Satan or perhaps a person or people, maybe one of the enemy nations, I don't know. But also the enemy may have been his own sinful flesh. I say that from experience and I suspect I'm not the only one who knows a thing or two about the the flesh, the sinful flesh, lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And you have that battle going on inside you. The Apostle Paul most certainly did. He knew something about it and he had much to say about the struggles within himself between the flesh and the spirit. It's not for nothing that we can be said to be our own worst enemies. How true that is. As for those troublers, well, whoever they were, they took great delight in David's affliction, perhaps mocking him with words such as, where is your God now? 
The omission of details concerning David's enemy is rather helpful in that it gives us a certain freedom to fill in the gaps with our own trials, perhaps our own besetting sins that might cause us to cry out silently or to cry out aloud, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? I still struggle with that. But again, David was a man of God, a man after God's own heart. And if he could say those words in in, in verse 1, then none of us in here need think, well, it's never going to happen to me. But coming back to David, who said, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Those words may have had something to do with the time that his predecessor, King Saul, seemed to never stop trying to kill him, to throw his spear at him and to kill him. Also, there was the time when David's son, Absalom, tried to take his kingdom from him. That ended in tragedy for Absalom when he fled from David's army and his head got caught in the boughs of an oak tree as the mule that he was riding on ran beneath it. Absalom was then discovered and killed by David's own men. He was dangling from that tree and David's own men came along and they threw their spears at him and killed him against David's orders. When David heard of his son's death, he wept as he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. That must have been a time of deep despair and sorrow for David. And there was, of course, the matter of David committing adultery with Bathsheba and then arranging for her husband Uriah to be placed in the forefront of the battle against the Ammonites where he was killed. Until such time that David repented and was restored by God, I don't imagine that there was any communion between him and the Lord his God. Again, you'll know what I'm talking about there. When there's sin going on in your life, how do you pray? You do pray perhaps, but um, it's just empty words. Whatever it was going on with David, the Lord had forgotten him and hidden his face from him as David saw it. On recent Sunday evenings, we've been looking at the life of someone else who might, I'm not saying he did, but he might have entertained thoughts of having been forgotten by God. I speak of Joseph, who, as a 17-year-old boy or 17-year-old young man, was thrown into a pit by his jealous brothers. They were going to leave him to die in that pit, but instead, instead they sold him into slavery. Just so happens that Midianite merchantmen came by and they sold him to the Midianite merchantmen. Of course, we can see, read between the lines and confidently say that it was the providence of God. Not only that, but as a slave in Egypt, Joseph's lustful, um, Joseph's master's lustful wife 
had designs on him and one day she grabbed hold of his garment as she said, lie with me. And he fled, leaving behind his garment in her hand. She then screamed and and falsely accused Joseph of making obscene advances towards her. She turned things round. Consequently, Joseph was thrown in prison until, by the providence of God again, he was promoted from prisoner to prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And he was given charge of food supplies during a time of famine. Joseph's brothers, the ones who had thrown him into that pit uh, and sold him off into slavery, they were reunited with Joseph when they made the journey to Egypt to get food for themselves and for their families. And Joseph said to them, You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. The Lord was undoubtedly with Joseph throughout everything, including those very low times, such as when he was left in a pit to die, and then when he was thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. And he knew it. David knew, uh, sorry, Joseph knew that the Lord was with him, judging by what he said to his brothers. You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is, this day to save much people alive. Even though Joseph knew that the Lord was with him, and we, we read that in the pages of the Bible several times, that the Lord was with him. And Joseph knew it, even so. Who knows if there were those times when Joseph also said, How long, Lord? Or, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Also, there was the Apostle Paul. We know from Acts chapter 16, verse 25, that when Paul was a prisoner in Philippi, he and his travelling companion, Silas, They prayed and they sung hymns unto the Lord in high spirits, even though they were in in the stocks, secured in stocks in the inner dungeon of a prison in Philippi. They were still singing praises unto God. However, Paul went on to spend two years in prison in Caesarea before finally being transported to Rome. Paul was the apostle to the Gentile nations, yet for all that, he languished in that prison in Caesarea for two long years. Although it has to be said that he had some tremendous gospel opportunities. For example, he was able to preach uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to King Agrippa. That wouldn't have happened if he hadn't been in prison. Even so, Was there ever a time when Paul felt felt low and prayed, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? I'm not saying there was, but again, I come back to David in Psalm 13 and verse 1. If he was someone who prayed those words, who else? Who knows who else prayed those words? And if we drop down 
to the last two verses of Psalm 13. Look at those. From saying in, in verses 1 and 2, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And then look at the last two verses there. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. See how different the last two verses are to the first two. David went from having sorrow in his heart to having a heart that shall rejoice in the Lord's salvation. Looking at verse 6 where David said, He hath dealt bountifully with me. That reminds me of Psalm 23, where David said, My cup runneth over, or my cup overflows. Therefore, by the end of this psalm, David was able to see above and beyond the enemy, whatever it was, the enemy that had troubled him so much, and he was basking in the manifold blessings that the Lord his God had showered upon him, filling him with his blessings to overflowing with blessings, spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus who would be who would come into the world a thousand years later. And that's how it is for all the redeemed of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of you who are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin, he has dealt bountifully with you and your cup runneth over with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Whatever your lot. And you say, it is well with my soul. Like the hymn writer did. Despite the calamities in his own life. The million dollar question might well be, how did David get from utter despair in verses 1 and 2 to the rejoicing in verses 5 and 6? And the answer to that one can be found in verse 3, where it can be seen that David held on to the truth that the Lord was his God. As he said, consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Those words were followed by a plea to God to lighten his eyes. Just look at that verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. John Gill explains to lighten his eyes as meaning the eyes of his understanding, that he might behold wondrous things in the law of God, know the things which were freely given to him of God, see more clearly his interest in him and in the covenant of his grace, and have his soul refreshed and comforted with the light of God's countenance, and he be better able to discern his enemies and guard against them, and be directed to take the best method to be delivered and secured from them. The people of God are sometimes in the dark and see no light, especially when benighted and in sleepy frames, 
and it is God's work to enlighten and quicken them. Enlighten and quicken those who belong to the Lord, those who have been quickened, those who have been made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet for all that, they sometimes are in the dark and see no light. What followed was David saying what he said in verses 5 and 6. I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Let's have some application for us. All of you who belong to Jesus, having received him as repentant sinners, having believed on his name, have had your eyes open to see that Jesus is altogether lovely. How often do I say that to you? That he is altogether lovely. And by the grace of God, you have beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The one who is full of grace and truth. Even so, instead of rejoicing in the God of your salvation, you might at times entertain thoughts that the Lord has forgotten you. When you are assailed by the enemies of Christ, that might be a time when you think that the Lord has forgotten you. When you're suffering persecution. Ironically, that ought to be a time for you to rejoice. When you suffer for Christ's sake, that is a time to rejoice and to be exceedingly glad that you suffer shame for the name of Jesus, your Lord and your God. Even so, we, be, we can become fearful and despondent when people treat us shamefully and say terrible things about us and so on. Maybe when tragedy strikes and you lose the certain things that are precious to you, including family, you lose them and you imagine that the Lord has forgotten you. So painful, isn't it, to lose those things that you love, especially family. And you think the Lord's imagine you imagine that the Lord has somehow forgotten you. Instead of you saying, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord have taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And maybe, in fact, not maybe, forget the maybes, definitely, when you are fast bound in sin and you, you, those times you do not have fellowship with God. You most certainly are not able to say of the Lord, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Because those times when you're fast bound in sin, that's the last thing that you're experiencing, the Lord making you to lie down in green pastures. When you think of the Lord making you lie down, lie down in green pastures, ordinarily, that's a beautiful thing. And he, he does. We're stupid as his sheep. He is the, the, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are silly sheep. And our shepherd, he, we wouldn't do it, think to do it ourselves. He makes us lie down in green pastures and just bask in his um, blessings and enjoy him 
and feed upon him. We don't munch on grass, we feed upon his word and thereby we feed upon Jesus. But we have our good shepherd making us and in a, in a way exerting some pressure upon us and that's gracious. You've got to see that as uh, as the grace of God upon us making us lie down and just enjoying him. But then there are the times when he's making you, uh, his hand is heavy upon you, but not making you to lie down in green pastures, not at all. You're much more likely when you are fast bound in sin to be able to relate to what David said in the psalm that I read to you earlier, Psalm 32. When I kept silence about sin... My bones waxed old through my roaring all day long. And you know that perhaps, or am I the only one, when there's sin in your life, and it's, it's, it's spiritual most certainly, but it impacts on you in every way. You can't separate your spiritual, uh, the spiritual to the physical. You know, this, when you, you're, when you're going through, when you've got sin in your life, it will impact upon you physically as well. It certainly did with David. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. See the hand of God heavy upon David. Not to lie down in those green pastures. Nevertheless, the hand of God was upon him. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Dry dry in your mouth, dry in your heart. But even then, even then, the Lord had not forgotten David by virtue of the fact that the Lord's mighty hand was upon him, bringing him to repentance and to confession of his sins when you continue to read verse uh, Psalm 32. That's not the case with everybody. You read Romans chapter 1. And the Lord is just as likely to let you get on with it. Not you if you're a Christian, mind you. But those who have no interest in the Saviour. He's just as likely to let them go, just leave them to wallow in their sin. And of course things will be very different at the judgment. But you, as a Christian... When the hand of God is heavy upon you, when there is sin in your life, that is God's gracious dealings with you. Although it may not seem like it at the time, when you feel absolutely lousy, spiritually and physically. But I would prefer that to thinking nothing of it. Having a conscience that is so thoroughly seared that I can just do something and and not give it a second thought. In conclusion, the Lord will never forget those of you whom he has loved with an everlasting love. A love that was demonstrated at the cross where the incarnate Son of God bare your sins in his own body. However, your eyes will become darkened when you take them off Jesus, such as when you are fast bound in sin. Doesn't have to be sin, mind you. Could be anything. Again, come back to the persecution 
when the enemy is not sin in your life, maybe it's the enemies of Christ uh, attacking you in verbally or even physically. And what do you do? You take your eyes off Jesus. Instead of looking to, at him all the more and keeping your eyes fixed upon Jesus. You are to consider the apostle and the high priest of your profession, Christ Jesus, at all times, but especially when you experience afflictions or when you fall into temptation. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. In other words, you think you've got it bad. Consider Jesus suffering the contradiction of sinners against himself. Consider Jesus who was nailed to a cross and lifted up to die, bearing away your sins. Consider Jesus who poured out his blood at the cross to wash away your sins. Consider Jesus. Do those things as you prayerfully read the word of Christ and let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing, encouraging one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. As we finish, I would have to say that if you're someone who is drifting through life, possibly not many of us in here tonight, maybe one or two, I don't know, drifting through life with no interest in the Saviour, no interest in Jesus, no interest in him being nailed to the cross as the sacrifice for sin, then you would probably be very happy to think that God has forgotten you and that he has hidden his face from you. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? God has forgotten me. He's hidden his face from me. And when I do die, well, that's it. Lights out. That's the end of it. End of the story. Finished. No doubt that would suit you just fine. After all, what we see in verse 1 of Psalm 13 are the words of a man who declared the Lord to be his shepherd in Psalm 23. And that's not you, is it? If you're not trusting in Jesus, the Lord is not your shepherd and you are not someone who's going to say what David said in Psalm 13 and verse 3, consider, hear me, O Lord, my God. That's not you if you have no interest in the Saviour. For now, you are your own little God, whoever you are. For what good that will be whenever, when adversity, affliction comes your way, as it does with everybody. You can, that's one of the things that you can be sure of in life. That you will suffer affliction. Furthermore, unless you repent, And trust in Jesus as your saviour and your Lord. Your ultimate affliction, your ultimate terrible experience will be infinitely and everlastingly worse than that of David. Who for a season was going through something. Again, we don't really know what his enemy was in Psalm 13. He was going through something 
not very nice at the time. But it, your final experience, you who has, you who have no interest in the Saviour, will be infinitely and everlastingly worse than whatever David was going through. David, who imagined that the Lord had forgotten him and had hidden his face from him. I'm talking about when the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels when he comes again in judgment. And he will take vengeance in flaming fire on all who do not know God, all who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I say unto you, but not I, the scriptures, God says unto you, repent and believe the gospel. Amen.